0: great to see you here today and we are going to continue on with a series that uh, reflects christmas called there is hope and i'm going to set up quickly the scripture that we're reading today Uh, we're using matthew's account particularly today and most people never realize that this christmas story all starts with matthew 1 verse 1 it's called the genealogy of jesus it's a very moving passage And instead of reading 17 verses, we're only going to read six. And you're probably thinking, why is he preaching on the genealogy? That's why you come to church, to learn. So everybody stand, if you would, for the reading of the word. And we're going to read the first six verses of Matthew. How many many believe your pastor can make this work today for you? Some of you laughed. I don't know what what that means. So anyway, let's begin in verse 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amminadab, Amminadab the father of Nashon, Nishan, the father of Solomon, Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. And everybody said amen to that. Hey, Jesus, as we look at your word, you put everything in there because it has a meaning. And today as we dive a little deeper into the scripture, I pray that you would help our minds to understand what is being said here, what is meant. Because Matthew 1 is just as inspired as John 3:16. And so I pray that you open our hearts and our minds to learn, to grow and develop in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. 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 The Lord bless you, you and be seated. I can assure you most of you rarely if ever have ever had a sermon on Matthew chapter 1. You might have had it referenced. You might have heard uh, maybe a commentary or two, but you're thinking there's no way you can build a message that would hold people's attention for an entire time based on the genealogy. And I'm here to tell you, yes, it can be done. But why, listen, why is this included? Well, obviously there's a story behind it. And so, from an American perspective, I'm going to ask you to set aside your Americanisms, your thinking, and let's go more into what was being communicated here. Matthew was written to the Jewish people, so there's obviously some things here that are important, or he would not, have, listen, 17 verses on the genealogy of Jesus. Obviously, there's a big deal going on here. What is the big deal? Well... Let's unpack this a little further. If you go into the Scriptures even further into Luke, you'll notice there's actually two genealogies in the New Testament that talk about Jesus' heritage. Now, if you've studied those two and done a comparison, you find that the list from Luke is different than the list at Matthew. And if, you're, if, you're not a, uh, if you don't understand the word, you might look at that and go, oh my goodness, there's a contradiction. Why isn't anybody talking about this? <laughs> Well, let me just relax. There's no contradiction. Let me tell you what's going on there. Matthew and Luke both were proving that Jesus fulfilled the prophesied lineage of the Messiah. The Old Testament reveals a lineage from which the Messiah would come, and it was prophesied. And so why the two different, then why are there two different ones? Well, first of all is this. Matthew 1 verses 1 through 17 was Joseph's lineage. He represented the Jewish legal lineage. So what happens is that, now we're going to talk about some uncomfortable stuff today. Everybody just say, that's okay, pastor. That was about half of you. But anyway, here we go. You do know that Joseph was not the biological father of Jesus. Please tell me you knew that. Now in the Jewish world, that didn't matter. If he, was the, uh, if, he was, if he was the guardian, if he was the dad, legally, then in order for Jesus to qualify as the Messiah, he had to follow Joseph's lineage. Even though he wasn't the biological father, he was the legal father. And so, Joseph, so Matthew is demonstrating that if you follow the legal lineage of Joseph, you see that Jesus, even though he's not the biological father, He fulfills the mandate according to Jewish law and Jewish custom. Well, then you come to Luke, and he's writing to the Gentiles. Most of us are Gentiles. And we would say, well, if he's not the biological father, we're not discounting that at all, but... Technically speaking, he needs to follow his mother's lineage since she's the biological mother. And so Luke, writing to the Gentiles, in his his genealogy, he traces Mary's lineage to prove that Jesus qualifies. So what's cool is this. God knew everybody was going to be complaining. (laughs) And God covered all the bases. He said, if you want to go through Joseph, that's fine. He qualifies. If you want to go through Mary because, you know, Joseph's not the biological dad, that's fine. You go through Mary's lineage, he's still qualified. Either way, now how cool is this? God brought a man and a woman together who both qualified to be in his genealogy. So no matter which way you went, it was, how's that for God uh, creating a very unique union in a husband and wife, huh? So the question is this, so why the big deal? Matthew makes a big deal out of it. Luke makes a big deal out of it. Because actually, the Jewish people, as they would have read this genealogy, there are quite a few things that would have jumped out at them. You and I, because of our heritage, because of our our way that we understand, some of those things don't jump out at us and we don't understand it. It doesn't doesn't make a big statement to us. So we're going to delve into some of the people that are included in Matthew's account so that you can appreciate that as people read that, they would have been going, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. There would have been even some who read that and went, you got to be kidding me. The Messiah came from this, really. Surely you jest, because the Messiah should have had a cleaner background. What do you mean cleaner? Well, we're going to talk about that. So, number one, everybody read this out loud. Come on, the power of the gospel, what he's showing is this, there is a momentum that was occurring in the gospel that when Jesus came, he was setting some things in motion. Now what's happened is this, even though Jesus was setting some new things in motion concerning the gospel, man has not always cooperated with the momentums of God. And you can go through church history. We, listen, we're going to be very transparent. There's a lot of dark years and days in the heritage that we have as followers of Christ. People haven't always behaved according to the scripture. There were things set in motion that people did not follow through on. And Jesus, if you read just even in this genealogy, you see these things being set in motion. And one of the things that you've noticed by, hopefully if you've been at the bridge for a while, you notice I don't quote early church fathers. You notice that? I always quote the scripture. Why? Because the early church fathers got it wrong sometimes too. Just because they're old doesn't mean they're right. How many know you can be old and still be wrong? I'm looking for all those over 60 Wow, talk about a lack of confession this morning. Wow, yeah. You can be old and still get it wrong. Just because you're old, just because you lived a long time, just, even just because you're learned doesn't mean you got it right. And so we saw some things set in motion here in, in Matthew 1 that we see got choked off because people were constantly coming to the, this is what, I, this is what the Bible says, but this is what I'm comfortable with. And a lot of times the comfort won out over the biblical. And so we're going to, like I said, we're going to talk about some things about our faith today, about what Jesus was setting in motion, and how over the centuries, even the followers of Christ have found it uncomfortable. So this is one of the power of the gospel transcends gender. See, because this says that this is the genealogy of Jesus, and we're taking the Jewish perspective, The first thing that would have stood out was, why wasn't the list contained only? Why didn't it just contain men? Why are there four women included? In Jewish custom, it would have been, why include four women? They they saw them, listen, if you went to the temple, there was a temple court for women. If you got closer to the holies of holies, you got into the court of the men. The men's court was closer to God's presence than the women's court. So why would these women be included? Because Jesus was introducing the fact that it was man who had relegated these class stereotypes, not him, man had done that. And he was now ready to level the playing field. If you've attended the bridge, you know this, couple things, we have five pastoral team members. Two of them are women. Not because it's politically correct, because it's biblically correct. Two of our five BO board of administration members are women. Why? Because, well, it's politically correct. We're trying to prove that we're... No, we're trying to be biblically correct. We're not trying to be politically correct. Two of our our four elders are women. Why? Because we're trying to be biblically correct. Now, some of you would be going, well, you know, but pastor, hang on. Let me show you some things biblically to show you how this challenge of being biblically correct versus being comfortable. And that comfort won out over being political or being biblically correct. Galatians three twenty eight. Everybody read this. There is neither Jew nor Gentile neither slave nor free nor is there male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now let me give you Greg Hackett's translation version there. The ground around the cross is all level. Nobody Is closer to Jesus because of their gender. Male or female, he says we're all one. That's how God created us. But it is man who introduced some of these divisions. Okay. And by the way, I'm not talking about gender confusion and all that. So let now half of you just took a breath of relaxation right there. Because you went, where is he going? Just relax and chill, would you? We're gonna stay with the Bible today. Okay? By walking in here, we set the Bible as our parameter. Everybody good with that? Okay, so no experimentations going on biblically today. So, the church, what Jesus set in motion that he said, I have women who are in my lineage that qualify me to be the Messiah. And so, one of the movements was to move women more and more into the leadership roles. And I'll just show you a couple scriptures here. So, I know the gospel of of Luke, there's there's this what I call 30,000 foot view that we miss as followers of Christ because we're not trained the way they were to see some of these things. So let me give them to you. Luke highlights how Jesus was elevating women in the kingdom of God. So let me give you an example. You start Luke chapter 1, you have Elizabeth who has an angel show up. And tell her that she's gonna get pregnant. Now, most of you go, so what's the big deal? Okay, Jewish world, remember the men were closer to God's presence in the temple than the women? According to Jewish custom, the angel is supposed to show up to her husband, and then he tells her that she's gonna get pregnant. But instead, the angel skips him and shows up with her. Then you have Mary whom the holy spirit comes on again jewish world theologically incorrect the holy spirit should come on him joseph and he should tell her but that's not what happens. she gets a direct encounter with god herself elizabeth gets a direct encounter with god herself you go to luke chapter three or, or two and three where the, jesus is taken to the temple and he's dedicated and it says that while they're there, Simeon shows up and prophesies over Jesus being the Messiah, right? As they're leaving, and they're, they're in the men's court, and now they're coming to the, the women's court, there it says there was a prophetess named Anna. What do you mean prophetess? And it says that she prophesies over the child that this is the Messiah, then through the book of luke you see jesus interacting with women a 12 year old girl is raised from the dead it continues on various types of women in the jewish faith outside the jewish faith can i tell you remember jesus is a single guy which is a huge no-no. Now here's what you need to know. Jesus didn't violate any protocols. He always made sure these interactions with women was in the public space. So he always had the public as his witness that he was behaving and not, you know, not crossing any boundaries or doing anything that he shouldn't. But the point being is this. Jesus was doing stuff that people said, you can't do that. And he did it Repeatedly. This was the motion that was set, but people went, I'm uncomfortable going there, so we're going to go with comfort rather than the Bible. Let me show you what Paul's movement was, the Apostle Paul. By the way, a guy who was an authority in the Jewish faith, you go to Romans 16, 1, he's, he's setting up the church. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church. In Centria. everybody see the word deacon boy that was really weak he was moving that direction and by the way this is a guy who used to teach keep them out then you go down to Romans 16 verse 7 greet andronicus and Junia this is husband and wife My fellow Jews who have been in prison with me, how many, that's a wonderful bond right there, been in prison together. How do you know them? Ah, we did some time together. (laughs) They are outstanding among the apostles. There was a woman apostle. Notice this, and they were in Christ before I was. Can you imagine Paul's awakening when he realized that God was not honoring his comfort zone? Hi, my name is Andronicus. this is my wife, Janiah, and we're both apostles. I'm sure Paul went, excuse me? Hi, my name is and this is Janiah, and we're both apostles. I'm sure Paul was thinking, yeah, okay, I get you, but did you just call her an apostle? And I love the way God says, well, we can bond over this, why don't you do some prison time together? I love the way God makes time for us to change our theology. Let's just just spend some time in a cell and work through all this, okay? When you get it right, we'll we'll get you out of there. So immediately they would have saw, wow, God is swinging the door wider than what we thought. Just by reading that, the Jewish people would have gone, wow, Jesus has women in his lineage as spiritual authorities. Now, the second thing I want you to see is this. Read this out loud. The power of the gospel... See, there's people in the list that weren't Jewish. Well, how can he do that? When you're God, you get to make the rules. Tamar was a Canaanite. She was a pagan. Rahab was a Canaanite. She was a pagan. Ruth was a Moabite. She was a pagan. Bathsheba, she married a Hittite. Okay. she was an adulterer and yet the power we, as you read it you start to see wow God isn't just confined to the Jewish people see that was the mistake they made they thought the, that God was their God and that they were special and they wanted the rest of the world to go to hell and they misunderstood that God, they were God's chosen people in the aspect that they were to be a vehicle to take God's activity to the other nations. But they decided to keep it for themselves and said, let's just let the world go to hell. And then it's just us. And God, through his son's lineage, said, when I said I include all people, I'm even talking about going to the far reaches of where the pagans are. And by the way, each one of these pagans had a turnaround moment with God. They weren't included without the transformation. The transformation in their life led to them being included in the lineage and the genealogy of Jesus. And again, we come to looking at today, the church has always struggled with people who aren't like us. Can I just point something out? Why don't you read the genealogy of Jesus when you get home? Matthew 1, chapter 1, verse 17. I'm going to give you a shocker. Are you ready? None of them were white. Of all the people, that should be so grateful. And by the way, you know Jesus wasn't white. Of all the people who should be able to say everyone is welcome, it's white people. Because none of us were even in the genealogy of Jesus, we weren't the insiders, we were the outsiders, and we're in because of an inclusiveness Now, I know we've got some diversity in our congregation. I'm I'm very appreciative. But can you see how comfort, though, in our culture took over biblical mandates? And so we have huge swaths of our country, Christians, who will segregate churches, quote, in the name of God. And you're like, you're really going to have a miserable time in heaven Because we're not going to be having segregated neighborhoods in the new Jerusalem. You better start learning to get along with people who don't look like you. Because you're going to be spending eternity next door to them. I thought that was good. Galatians again, 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. All the ground around the cross is level. None of us is better than somebody else. Now, listen to me. I will acknowledge that some people are born into situations that have more struggles than others. Yes, but just because you have more of a struggle doesn't mean you get a pass. Everybody has something that's more difficult than the other guy, or I should have this and I should have that. Listen, just because you have it harder doesn't mean you get a pass. The other part is, if you have it easier, why don't you go help somebody? Why don't you use that platform to go help somebody who didn't get the breaks that you got in life? And everybody said amen to that. Number three, read it out loud. The power of the gospel changes who you are and gives you a new destiny. So now we've talked about how there's male and female in the list. We've read about how there's all these various nationalities. They weren't all Jewish people. And then we read about some, I'm just going to say it, creepy people. (laughs) These people could not even survive a background check. Most of you would never let them babysit your kids. Okay, we would be going, yeah, I don't think this ministry is for you. I don't think this is for you, you know, and, and there's, I understand that. I'm not, I'm not saying that those are ridiculous standards, but I want you to see something. Abraham, he's in the list. Hey, he lied twice about Sarah being his wife. Now I'm not an authority on marriage, so to speak, but I do know this. You never deny your wife's your wife. The first time you might make it to the counselor's office, I can assure you, you do it again, you're not getting that far. You don't do it twice. And he, he was doing it to authorities, you know, authorities. So this was not like, you know, telling his, but this is open, like telling the government authorities, is she your wife? No. Nope. I mean, this is like a broadcast. And then you have David, he was an adulterer and a murderer. Today he would be be convicted of first degree murder, sentenced for life. But because he's the king, they couldn't do that. You have Bathsheba, who was an adulterer herself. You have Tamar, who was a prostitute and committed incest. Now, I'm not going to go into these stories in great detail. Is that okay? (laughs) But let me just say this. She seduced her father-in-law. And you're like, okay, that's enough, move on. And I agree with you, let's move on. I don't want to go, any. but you're just like, really? And then we read about Rahab, who was a prostitute. She was in Jericho. And she recognized that God was with the Israelites. And she recognized that she had better have a change. And she did. Then you come to Ruth. Her lineage was this. She was a Moabite. If you go in the scripture, you find out the Moabites were started as a culture by an incestuous relationship. And that's all I'm going to say about that today. So how would you like to be born? And when they say, what are you? And you say, I'm a Moabite. And they go, oh, you're the descendants who were this weird thing happened. Talk about... Talk about having an identity forced on you that you don't want. So why are these people included? Because they all repented. And the evidence of their life after that said it was genuine. It wasn't just, hey, you got to trust me that I repent. They repented, and the evidence that followed the rest of their life They got a new trajectory. And this is critical. Sometimes, now, I want you to look at the obvious of what I'm, did you notice that while they were forgiven and they got a new trajectory, do you notice that we are able to recount their sin? I don't know about you, but I am so glad. People say, I bet it was cool to live in the biblical times. I go, nah, not really. How would you like one of your sins to make the book? Nah, I'm good. <laughs> I am really grateful that my life is not sermon material for people around the world. Yeah. They had a they had a change of heart. I want you to look at that. Those people changed. And the evidence is based on how their life and the trajectory. We still remember what they did. But the ability to get a different trajectory in your life. See, I think this is important. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. I'm going to say something really blunt. If that's not true today, then we have no reason to gather. If that's not true, we're a social club, not a church. It's the fact that that still happens is a reason for us to gather. And some of you listening today you would go, boy, you have no idea how screwed up I've made my life and affected the people around me. And I, you know what? I don't have to know. All I know is this, is you have the opportunity to change the trajectory of your life with Jesus at the helm. I was talking to somebody this past week about, they said, hey, I heard you say, pastor, we're a Pentecostal church and uh so when you say that i mean can you give me something to help me understand well there's 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 a lot of what you mean by that there's a variety of things but i like to boil things down very succinctly you know we could have done a we could have done a bible study right there you know and said hey and i'll see you next week and real and i just want to say this real succinctly okay maybe this might help you because this it's this verse and by the way, there's, you could unpack this in a bigger way, but this is just kind of giving you a, a real small nutshell of what it is. How many have ever heard of the phrase, what would Jesus do? Heard that? I don't have a problem with that. It's good. It's a good saying. It means to go to the Bible. It means to study. What would Jesus do? I get that. That's how I prepare a message. Going back, what would Jesus do? Looking at the context. But as Pentecostals, we go one step farther. And what is Jesus doing now? It's not about what he did. It's what he still does. And I'll tell you this. That's what keeps me coming back. What is he doing? What, listen. Listen. What is he doing in your life? In your life. In your life. We can study what he did. That's great. Because we learn the parameters of what what Jesus does. We learn what it looks like when Jesus does something. That's why we read it so that we learn that. But the bottom line is this. He's still doing the new creation part. He's still doing that. He can change the trajectory of your life. Forgiveness means to stop it and say, now let's go home a new way. Let's get rid of the old ways. Let's get rid of the heart that caused all of this and let's give you a new heart. See, Matthew is this the guy who wrote that genealogy, he had to do all the research and study. How did he know it? Matthew was born into a priest family. You couldn't be called into the ministry in his day. You had to be born into it. He was born to be a priest. It was an awesome, incredible honor to have that. And he, listen to me, an occupying army came in. They were the Romans. They were occupying. And he walked away from the priesthood to go work as a tax collector for an occupying army. He just didn't betray his faith. He surrendered his flag. I'm sure Matthew wept as he wrote some of those names. Because if a Rahab has hope, a Matthew has hope. If a Tamar has a hope, then a Matthew has a hope. If a Bathsheba has a hope, then a Matthew has a hope. If a David has a hope, a Matthew's got hope. Let's not forget Paul, killing people in the name of religion. He's a terrorist. He's a religious terrorist. He's the one who wrote 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We would say, there's no way a religious terrorist can have a change of heart. Paul would go, yeah, well, I'm one. Paul would say, they may not happen in great numbers, but they happen to this guy. Changed my life. And then get this. He was so changed, he changed his name. He didn't want to be known as Saul. Saul had died. He wanted to be known as Paul. And the church was so impressed with him. They said, you're not just Paul. You're Apostle Paul. He didn't put that on himself. The church gave him that that identity. Because they saw such a change in his life. Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7, speaks about Christmas. Listen to this. But when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are His sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Listen, you are no longer a slave but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. We live in a time when there's a number of people who have no idea who their biological father is. Some may know who they are, but they're gone. They just they have distanced themselves. Some today, their biological father's died, and this is their first Christmas without a doubt. If you've been abandoned as a kid, If you're a kid who has never known who your father was, you are a person whose father has passed away and you don't have a father this Christmas. Can I tell you that scripture scripture says you got a dad. He adopted you. That word Abba translated is actually daddy. But it just doesn't sound reverential. So we say father. Father. I mean, after all, I mean, I'm not mocking, but Jesus is on the cross. You know, it it just sounds, Father, forgive them. It just sounds more holy. He was saying, Daddy, please forgive them. That's the kind of conversation relationship he had. And this scripture tells us that same is available to you and me. Amen. Amen. Last point, maybe. The power of the gospel is available today for whatever you're facing. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 and 4 and 5. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. And this is a guy, Paul, who could have done that. I mean, when you write half the New Testament, you know, and you've been the bestseller for 2,000 years my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words but with a demonstration of the spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on god's power notice what our faith rests on god's power he still does those things this is way beyond what jesus do this is what is jesus doing right now and this is how i'm closing today what's jesus doing in your life you see, i don't know then that ought to be the first question you ask today. Jesus, show me. What are you doing in my life? Because I don't want to. Listen, I say this often. God, I do not want to guess. I want to obey. If I don't know, I'm guessing. But when you let me know, now I'm obeying. You don't have to tell me everything. Just show me enough so I know what I need to do. And everybody said amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet as we wrap up the service. Would you do that? And I want you to praise him. Come on, all over. Let's lift our hands. Would you praise him right now for being a God who's active? Praise him for being a God who says, hey, I can be more than just the God. I can be your dad. I can be that that relationship that you have been deficient in. I can be that for you. Come on, thank them for that.